welcome to our next um, session in our video commentary on Galatians. It's so nice of you to uh, join us. The last week we spoke about the pretenders to the throne. Just to recap, we, uh, we looked at gospel. The gospel is the royal proclamation of a real-time event. The real-time event being Jesus' death and resurrection uh, because of which he is the rightful king and he has defeated the present evil age and he has launched new creation or what's also called uh, the age to come. Uh, and he's calling all nations to come live under his kingship in the age to come or new creation, which is in the midst of the present evil age, but one day will be fully here. Today we're going to continue on. So let's look at Galatians 1 and uh, pick up the reading in verse 10. Paul writes, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my, my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. That might help for you to go back to the first video we did on the background of Galatians, but it's evident that there's something happening here. Uh, it seems like a group of people are accusing Paul of certain things. And we'll get to that as we continue exploring the letter to Galatians. But today we're going to zoom in on the gospel transformation. I want to change. I want to grow. I want to be useful for Christ. Uh, I don't want to be stagnant in my faith. Maybe that's true for you also. Um, and so when we look at, when, when Paul says that um, you've heard of my previous way of life, you see this radical transformation that Paul experienced. And the question is, how is it that he changed so radically and what lessons we can learn from him? So that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today. So let's zoom in to Galatians 1 and, um, and let's read verse 13. Paul writes, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. What does he mean by zealous uh, for the traditions of my father? So we have to go back to Numbers 25 and I encourage you to read it for yourself. But what's happening in Numbers 25 verse 6 to 11 is that Phineas is zealous for the Lord and he wants to not contaminate or pollute God's people. Because God is holy, so are 
his people and to do everything and anything to make sure to stay holy. And so Paul draws from that tradition. If you go back to Numbers 25, you know what Phineas did. He killed people. And that may seem shocking to us, but that was the mindset. We're going to be set apart people of the Lord and we will not contaminate or pollute and let anything contaminate or pollute. That's where Paul came from. That was his tradition. In fact, that's precisely why he was on the road to Damascus to go persecute um, the, the early church because he felt they were doing exactly that. They were contaminating and polluting the people of God. So let's continue reading in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. But when God who sent me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. The Bible interprets the Bible. It's a principle that can come very handy when we are reading our Bible. What does Paul mean when he says, but when God who sent me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me? Well, Paul invokes Jeremiah 1 verse 5 and um, Isaiah 49 verse 1. Um, and, and when he says that he went into Arabia, scholars think that uh, he's referring to going to Mount Sinai. It invokes 1 Kings 19 verse 8 where uh, Elijah went uh, to, in effect, escape from God. Uh, so he draws on these traditions for what reason? Well, Paul reaches back into the biblical Israel's historical narrative. At times dark and confusing narrative, but he draws from that in which the one God acts in real-time human history, rescuing his people, all part of the promise to bring one humanity, the one family of all nations that God promised Abraham in Genesis 12. So that's what he's holding on to, this grand narrative in which now he surprisingly finds himself playing a role. So what can we learn from this? Have you ever seen Finding Nemo? And you're probably wondering, did he just ask, have you ever seen Finding Nemo? What does that have to do with what, have we, what we've been speaking about? Well, a whole lot. Spoiler alert for, for one, if you haven't seen the movie and you're hoping to see it, I don't want you getting mad at me. But let's just say that uh, you have to find Nemo, okay? That's in the title itself, right? And um, you have Marlin and Dory. They, they travel from uh, the, the Great Barrier Reef, where they live, that's their home, to, uh, they have to go to, again, spoiler alert, to Sydney. And so they end up traveling through what's called the EAC, the East Australian Current. And it, it just, if you've seen the movie, you've seen there's a bunch of turtles there. It's a really cool scene. And I have a four-year-old boy, so I watched this movie a lot of times. <laughs> so, so what does this have to do with anything? Well, as we've seen before, there is the present evil age. And if you see this diagram, yet yeah, no, my four-year-old didn't do this. It's actually me. <laughs> so, but this is the present evil age, in midst of which King Jesus has launched new creation. So what made Paul transform so radically? Well, this precisely this narrative. He realized by the grace of God that new creation has been launched in the present evil age, which no one expected. 
obviously, but it has happened in and through King Jesus's death and resurrection. And so no point going down the same road of Phineas, because that would be all creation path, right? There has to be a change, a transformation, a new path, a new creation path. And that is precisely what Paul took. And this is one of the main arguments Paul makes towards his detractors and opponents who are zealous, but in the same way as Phineas was. They are zealous in the old creation way. And Paul is inviting them to now come be part of the new thing that King Jesus has launched. Hopefully this makes sense, right? And so how does this apply to us? Where am I? Where are you? In old creation or new creation? Because that's really the question that determines our transformation, right? And so how does one go from old creation to new creation? And we'll explore this further as we continue with this series. But let's turn to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, how does one go from old creation to new creation? Well, you can't just add on to your life. You actually have to completely give up your life. You have to die to yourself so you can be alive in Christ. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Again, this is new creation reality. We can either live our old creation life or we give up our agenda, give up our old creation life and enter into Christ. And that's really the picture of baptism. We're dying to ourselves and are alive in Christ. And so gospel transformation is us surrendering to King Jesus. Now this involves all aspects of our life, every detail of our life, right? You can think of it like old creation ambition, new creation ambition. Old creation values, new creation values. Old creation mission and purpose, new creation mission and purpose. Everything is different as a result of King Jesus launching new creation. And so how do we practically apply this? Well, I have one simple practical for us, something I'm really wanting to strive to do in my own life. Pray new creation prayer. We need to pray about this. We need to dig into our Bibles. We need to pray through this narrative. We need to really engage with this new reality that is in the midst of the overwhelmingly uh, old creation uh, reality. And so we have to pray, we have to engage all senses of our being to really make sure that we are intentionally practicing new creation reality, meaning we're intentionally surrendering to King Jesus because we trust and believe that he has indeed launched new creation, even though it's surrounded by an overwhelmingly majority old creation that we're swimming through the ATC the uh, age to come currents and not the surrounding ocean that we are uh, in the midst of 